Nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring today. Robert Half is here to help. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This is an economy in transition. We're trying to use our old school labels to call it recession or growth. But I think a different approach is to say it's an economy in flux and an economy in change. Welcome to The Best New Ideas in Money, a podcast from MarketWatch. I'm Stephanie Kelton. I'm an economist and a professor of economics and public policy at Stony Brook University. And I'm Charles Passy, a reporter at MarketWatch. Each week, we explore innovations in economics, finance, technology, and policy that rethink the way we live, work, spend, save, and invest. Stephanie, it's a brand new year, and it's got to be a lot better than the last one. The market's taking a big hit, inflation at a 40-year high, housing sales slowing. I could go on and on. Well, there is a lot going on. And I guess in a lot of ways, it feels like there are reasons for optimism. If inflation is really in the rearview mirror and it peaked back in June, that's good news. But then markets are worried about something new. I think the big concern now is with the broader economy. Are all these rate hikes that the Fed has been doing going to push the economy into recession? Are we going to see unemployment increase, corporate earnings fall off, and maybe the stock market continue to go down? And that's the focus of today's conversation. Neela Richardson is chief economist at ADP, a major provider of payroll and human resources services. Richardson also has a background in housing and spent years at the Federal Home Loan Mortgage Corporation, or Freddie Mac. She also worked at Redfin, the real estate brokerage. As you can imagine, from the labor market to the housing market, we had a lot to talk about. So let's get started. Neela, let's talk a little bit about inflation. We saw inflation reach its highest level in 40 years. Back in June, it hit 9.1%, but it's been coming down in recent months. Give us your perspective on what the Fed has been doing to try to fight inflation. Do you think they're going to be successful in getting inflation back down to their 2% target without tipping the economy into recession? I think the Fed is doing the one thing that the Fed can do that we all know about in terms of fighting inflation, which is hike interest rates. They've been aggressive to date though now they have to moderate that aggression with the economic reality of a slowing economy. Do I think that they can get down to 2%? Not on the present course, no. I think they'll be successful in lowering inflation, but not all the way down to the 2% target. There's a couple of reasons for that. One, the global dynamics that kept inflation low for 40 years have changed. And so I don't see this as this one and done inflation story. I think the new world of inflation means that shocks to supply are longer lasting than they've been in previous cycles, which means that the Fed can't rest on inflation. This could happen again, could be a climate event, it could be global conflict like we're seeing in the Ukraine right now. There are many dynamics out there that could lead to higher inflation and inflation being more persistent in the future. The second reason why I think it's going to be hard to pull off down to 2% is where we're seeing inflation. We really have two stories of inflation. 
We have an inflation story in the goods sector in which time has healed. Goods inflation was the biggest issue. It was because there was a lot of demand and not enough supply, not enough inventory. Wait a year. Things have changed. Things are coming back to normal. Consumers are not just buying stuff anymore. They're doing stuff. Those supply chain bottlenecks have lessened. Things are working out. Let's go over to services. That's where all the action on inflation is. You still see service inflation, whether it's in housing, in my view, a chronically undersupplied market for the last decade, and you're seeing it in wages, especially low-income wages. Remember that low-income households have the greatest propensity to spend out of every dollar. We're seeing that wage inflation accrue in services, and it's becoming the longer it accrues, the more entrenched it becomes, the harder it is to fight. And so it's a real problem for the Fed, even though the level is coming down overall, where you're seeing inflation still take root, time won't heal. It has to be something else. And that's a big challenge for the Fed. So, Neela, we know, we think we know that the Federal Reserve is going to continue to raise interest rates. That is their expectation. And we know that the Federal Reserve anticipates unemployment increasing in 2023. How high do you think the unemployment rate will likely go in 2023? If I knew that or the Fed knew that, the game would be a lot easier. We'd be playing checkers instead of chess, but no one knows. Because a few years ago, not too long ago, we thought that the natural rate of employment was 5%. That's the rate in which the economy doesn't get too hot or too cold. And then over the next 10 years, the Fed did a very good job of convincing everyone that you could have unemployment rates below 4% without stoking inflation. That was the message. And so keep rates low, keep them lower for longer, because that meant more workers got jobs and they gained in their wages at lower ends of the income distribution and for marginalized communities. That was the message all the way up to February 2020. Now, what is the message? Can you have unemployment below 4% without stoking inflation in this new economy? The Fed doesn't know that. In fact, the Fed may have lost their grounding on what the natural rate of unemployment actually is in a world where there is inflation. I want to talk a little bit about what's going on in the tech sector with layoffs, because there we are seeing layoffs. Is that a bellwether for what's to come in, in the broader labor market? I think it's a signal of a labor market that is normalizing. One thing about this labor market that is super complex to track is that not every sector rebounded in lockstep. And there was a real divergence. For example, small firms did the greatest hiring early on, and then their pursuits were stymied by larger firms who started to hire aggressively. That dynamic changes the way small firms have had to source talent in this market. Similarly, the tech economy benefited from the pandemic in a way that restaurants and hotels did not. They suffered. Airlines suffered, but tech, wow, tech, everybody did tech. So it's not all that surprising as, as consumer spending is starting to normalize and even slow by some accounts, tech will have to be more circumspect, limit their hiring a bit, and right-size some of that new hiring they did over the last two years. And then I'm just going to throw out the obvious. 
Many of these tech firms were born in the last 25 years. They've never seen a federal funds rate at the rate that this rate will likely end up. So there's going to be a reassessment, especially for those large drivers of the S&P about the cost of capital and what that means in the future and their own valuations. This is a new dimension to their business operations and it might be affecting some of their labor decisions. So even if tech isn't exactly a bellwether, I mean, what do you think? Are we headed toward a recession all the same? It kind of feels hard to believe when I was reading just the other day stories about the unemployment rate reaching a 50-year low. It's hard to call because if we are heading towards a recession, I think it's still a big if. It's going to be one with a very unusual starting point where we have a whole bunch of housing uh, shortages. So usually going into a housing recession, you have a plethora of homes on the market, which drives down the price. It's just no one's buying them. Now we have inventory shortages, and that's what's leading to a drop in sales. We're at a place where consumer debt is around the lowest it's been in a decade. And as you know, we're at a near a 50-year low in unemployment. That's a pretty strong scorecard to be heading into a recession with. That means that something has to cripple the economy rather dramatically. If the recession is coming and if it's coming through the labor market, what we'd likely have to see is some sizable disruptions to push the labor market into a recession. Because right now, what we're seeing when we talk to clients at ADP is that finding qualified workers is still a big concern. And if you look at the public sector jolts data, you still see job postings are elevated higher than they were during the pandemic. People are still quitting jobs at an elevated level feeling confident that they can get another one. And so those dynamics don't smell like recession. Something dramatic would have to happen to make those dynamics reverse. When we're back, we'll ask Anila Richardson what she makes of the housing market right now. Can we expect prices to fall? That's after the break. Want to get smarter about investing? Then tune in to the Capital Ideas podcast from Capital Group, home of American Funds Distributors, Inc., one of the world's leading asset managers. Each week, we bring you stock market outlooks, macroeconomic updates, and investment strategies that can help you succeed. Learn from portfolio managers with decades of experience about how they navigate uncertain markets. Prepare to be engaged, enlightened, and entertained by listening to the Capital Ideas podcast today. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. Robert Half is here to help. Our recruiting professionals utilize our proprietary AI to connect businesses with highly skilled talent. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome back to The Best New Ideas in Money. Our guest today is Neela Richardson, Chief Economist at ADP. Before the break, Richardson talked about inflation and her view on whether we're headed for a recession. But like we mentioned earlier, Richardson also has a background in housing. You know, there's an old saying, as the housing market goes, so goes the economy. 
And there's a reason for that, because if the housing market slows too much or if problems in the housing market get really serious, that often spells trouble for the rest of the economy. So we asked Richardson about that. Back to the conversation. Neela, what do you see when you look at the housing landscape right now? When I started the housing uh, in the housing market as a housing economist, my mantra and my belief was that housing was the way that the middle class built wealth in the United States. Over the last 15 years, that's changed dramatically. It is really still very difficult in this country to get a mortgage post Great Recession unless you have pristine credit. And I don't know if you all have bought a house recently, but you basically have to give the fingerprints of your firstborn child to get a mortgage. I mean, you have tax records from years ago. There's a lot that goes into it. So mortgages are hard to get, but housing has been chronically undersupplied. And one of the things that went away, there are a lot of bad things that happened that led up to the Great Recession uh, in terms of exotic mortgages and taking advantage of home buyers and subprime lending. I could go on and on. But one thing we threw out with the bathwater was a national housing policy that supported affordable home ownership. And that is still a struggle. When I talk to young people, buying a house just seems really far off. And if you look at where mortgage rates, even though you know, us old people, they we look at that six, six and a half percent mortgage and like, well, back in my day, you know, I paid this much. But you didn't pay that much on a house that was that high price relative to your income. And that's been the game changer. House prices are really, really high and affordability is, is low. And so what we have is a situation where higher interest rates are not just affecting home buyers, they're affecting home sellers and they're affecting home builders because the costs for home builders have gone up. So it's more costly to build an affordable home. So if it's cost the same, why not build at the high end? And we've seen that throughout the last few years. Home builders are concentrated on the highest income generating part of the market, not affordable homes. But also for home sellers, you may hate your house, but love your mortgage. And there's nothing that's going to make you break up that relationship of a 2 to 3% 30-year mortgage. And so that's less supply. So what I see is a home market that is chronically undersupplied without a national housing policy and vulnerable to the local political whims in terms of how things are zoned in terms of single family. And I think it's a real problem for young workers who are trying to make their way and create wealth in this country. Just continuing on housing, you know, the slowdown should improve affordability for would-be buyers. But as you've alluded, the mortgage rates are so much higher than they've been in recent years. And so I'm kind of wondering where this leaves us. I mean, I have a realtor friend who says it's getting scary out there for him right now when he tries to sell homes. I mean, there's just there's not a lot of buyers out there right now. We've seen this pattern before in response to higher rates. People don't look at rates in like historical context. They look at rates from what their neighbors paid or what they could have gotten a few months ago, and they look at the monthly payment. My sense is that home buyers are assessing the lay of the land, but the tailwinds of housing are really, really strong. When you look at millennials who are reaching or have already reached peak home buying years, and the Gen Z that are to follow. Demographics are destiny when it comes to housing, and there's a lot of homeowners or would-be home buyers 
who are lining up. The problem right now is that a bit of uncertainty about the direction of the economy and higher interest rates are, I would say, temporarily halting that, that home buying, but not permanently. I think the real issue is on the supply side. There's just not enough inventory. And so things are drying up because the only thing on the market are homes that people can't afford. If there was more affordable inventory, I don't think you would see these um, long periods of people pausing to get their coins together to go back into the market to buy a house. Before we move on, what about the picture for renters? What do you see there in the new year? So if you're not buying, you're renting. Hopefully you're doing one or the other. And that means that for renters, I I know there's a lot of discussion in in the markets uh, among market commentators that housing inflation is going to go down. I mean, that's kind of part of the narrative of the bull case of uninflation that, you know, housing has lagged and we've seen these private sector indicators of rental markets and everything points to everything normalizing and going down. That's not my view. I think that housing is structurally broken. And if you can't buy a house, you rent a house and that puts more demand into the rental market. And it's one of the reasons why we won't reach 2%. Because housing is going to stand in the way of reaching that 2% target along with wages. Both are needed for people, their core. And until we have a affordable housing policy, it's going to be hard to supply the housing needs of the American workforce. I want to bring things full circle. We, you know, we're talking about housing, but we've also talked about a recession. So can we have the kind of housing slowdown we're seeing today without slipping into a recession? I don't know. I mean, it depends on how you look at it. Housing prices are still up double digits from where they were a year ago. So it's hard for me to call that a recession. That's pretty strong price increase. Um, What we are seeing is a, a slowdown in sales based on higher interest rates. But I think it's an inventory story, uh, not a recession, recessionary story. I think it's all supply side driven or mostly supply side driven, even with higher interest rates. So housing is slowing, but I'm not sure that the dynamics of that slowdown is consistent with recession, to answer your question directly. To those people who think that the Fed is trying to engineer a recession to lower inflation, it's hard for me to see how they do that without it being very painful. Because if it's through housing, okay, maybe that happens, but it's because the housing market is already undersupplied. If it's through the labor market, which is tight, there's going to be a lot of pain in that labor market to induce a recession right now because it's already pretty tight. Maybe there's other ways through higher rates on the consumer, but hopefully the Fed can engineer the soft landing because the alternative, I think, is quite painful. This has been really great. Neela, before we wrap up, there are are some signs that investors seem to be looking at inflation as sort of the story of last year and that they're beginning to shift their attention to the slowing of the economy and concerns about recession risk. Do you think that's going to be one of the big stories of 2023? Yes, I would agree with you that recession and recession risk will be an important story in the market commentary in 2023. However, I would also argue that we started that story a little early, and now it's kind of a carryover. Now that the inflation headlines, well, fingers crossed, continue to moderate. But I don't think it's the right story for investors or for policymakers. 
Because what if you look at what's driving the economy and the slowdown, it's about productivity, namely labor productivity. 2022 is the first year that we've seen three straight quarters of productivity decline since 1983. And it's not just a U.S. story. It's a global story. We're seeing this around the world. And it's not just a post-pandemic story. It's a story that was happening before the pandemic. We have been losing productivity gains. And it's a real question because the only way to increase standards of living and GDP per capita is through more workers becoming more efficient. And we're losing ground there. So the right story is not Will we or not? Will we not see a recession this year? Which, I, in my view, is an academic question. We won't know the answer to that question definitively until we're out of it. But how do we increase the productivity of the U.S. workforce for sustainable growth in the future? That's the question we need to be asking. Low productivity growth isn't a new problem, but there's been a bigger slowdown in the last year. And addressing that productivity problem with investments in more efficient manufacturing equipment or new technologies is one way to try to stave off a recession. But that's a subject for another episode. Neela, is there anything else you'd like to add? One thing that occurs to me is that this is an economy in transition. We're trying to use our old school labels to call it recession or growth. But I think a different approach is to say it's an economy in flux and an economy in change. And so that's why some of the things that we see don't smell like recession. (laughs) A very low unemployment rate and a very high wage growth where people are still sitting on the sidelines not wanting to work is new. And so it's indicative of an economy in transition, not necessarily an economy heading towards a slowdown, but we're using old language to describe new phenomena. So I think the exciting part of the 2023 economy is looking at what are the structural shifts in the labor market that are enduring, that will need new terminology to describe and a new way forward in terms of our thinking of it. Thanks for listening to The Best New Ideas in Money. You can subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. If you like what you heard, please leave us a rating or review. And if you have ideas for future episodes, drop us a line at bestnewideasinmoney at marketwatch.com. Thanks to Neela Richardson. To learn more about the economic outlook for 2023, head to marketwatch.com. I'm Stephanie Kelton. And I'm Charles Passy. The Best New Ideas in Money is a podcast from MarketWatch. The producers are Michael McDowell, Meta Lutzoft, and Katie Ferguson. Veronica Simonetti mixed this episode. Melissa Haggerty is the executive producer. Nathan Vardy was our newsroom editor on this episode. The Best New Ideas in Money theme was composed by Sam Retzer. Stephanie Kelton is an economist and a professor of economics and public policy at Stony Brook University and not part of the MarketWatch newsroom. We'll be back next week with another new idea. This episode is brought to you by Vanta. Vanta's trust management platform helps you quickly assess risk, streamline security reviews, and automate compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, and more. Learn how by watching Vanta's on-demand demo at vanta.com slash WSJ.